construction, golf news, equipment, travel, interviews, course profiles, and more. Your weekly fix of all things golf is about to begin. It's the Flagstick Podcast with your hosts, Jeff Bonner and Scott McLeod. Well, here we go. Here we go with another episode of the Flagstick Podcast sponsored by Golf PEI. Golf Prince Edward Island is a premier golf Canadian golf destination boasting more golf courses per capita, capita in the entire country. With over 400 fairways closer than you can imagine, top-tier accommodations, and exquisite culinary experiences, it is the easiest golf vacation you will ever book. Book golf vacations and tee times at golfpei.ca. Well, welcome in Scott McLeod, as always. Scotty welcome. Mack. How are you, man? Whew. Great to be back in our usual recording time. Yeah, I do yeah, like the exactly. weekend. Nobody really knows. And nobody really cares. And when do they record the show? Well, only we weekly. know. Only we know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, back to normal time. Kids are back in school. Life has returned to uh, some level of normalcy uh, once again. <laughs> I lose an hour of sleep. It's like the clock's going uh, going forward. Gotcha. I lose an hour of sleep now that they're back in school. Plus, I have to yeah. make lunches and all that crap. Oh, that's too bad. I have I to know. drive. Yeah. I have to drive mine halfway across the province today. So, yeah, all right, yeah, but that's that. fun times. Fun times. Yeah, you're gonna be exactly. you're, you're gonna be at Wooden Sticks. You're gonna get around in while you're there. I, I wish it'll be a little <laughs> cold. I think. Uh, uh, hopefully, I'll have cabin number one right by the putting green. But uh, nice. yeah, nice. Uh, I, you know what? I was shovel. surprised. I was surprised actually that they're uh, they're open in the winter time. But uh, I guess they've got uh, they've got two simulators in there now. This is Wooden Stick Golf Club in Nuxville, yeah. Ontario, and uh, they've got some winter activities and things like that there as well. So yeah, more more and more clubs are doing that. And Little fireplaces top. in those cabins, isn't there? I think so. Yeah. Oh, oh so yes. So I think that ties in a little bit with maybe what we're going to be talking about later, but uh, we'll get to yes. that when we get to it. Of course. It, so, yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and, and uh, you know, speaking of what we're going to talk about later and what we're obviously what we're going to talk about on the show this week, you know, the front nine this week is going to be a little bit, a little bit dicey, a little bit, uh, you know, a little more interesting, you know, so... <laughs> Dicey. dicey i don't know i would call it dicey uh, you know we don't do much controversy on flagstick podcast it's kind of so this will be kind of like a it's not controversy but we're going to talk about some some things that are um you know heating up the golf world. yeah heating up the golf world a little bit maybe maybe taking away from the yes. golf part yeah. of golf and yeah. you know and and adding the soap opera drama to it mm. we're going to talk a little bit about that yeah. Um, we're obviously, we're going to talk uh, quickly about the flagstick open and where things are at with that. Cause we're getting a crap load of yeah. emails and DMS and texts. When is registration open? So we're going to talk about that. Uh, yeah. we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, YouTube mm -hmm. and some things going on there, uh, yeah. also on the front nine, but when we get to the back nine with this episode, oh, we're right. going to be talking about, uh, uh, a neat little topic. We don't want to give away too much, but we're going to be talking about something that's been up on Twitter, um, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, the perfect club, and not yeah. necessarily not. We're not talking about golf clubs like the right. kind right. of go yeah. the fourteen that go in your bag. We're talking about the perfect golf club, mm -hmm. and strip it down. What does it look like for you? So that's going to be our back nine topic, and it's going to be interesting because there has been and still continues to be a, an, an enormous amount of feedback through yeah. Twitter with people submitting sort of their Crazy idea of what the perfect club means to them. So it's going to yeah. be a cool little topic because I have my ideas, you sure. have your ideas, and we're going to talk about those, but we're also going to reveal some of what our uh, our audience uh, 
through social media has yep. uh, has sort of thrown out at us. So that's so, that's going to be in the background. Some publicly, some anonymously. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> some that we can't read. Uh, this is somewhat of a family friendly uh, yeah. podcast. You know, this isn't uh, this isn't spitting chicklets. <laughs> so there's there's certain types of conversations and languages that you're just not going to hear. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Okay, so. Uh, in order to get there, we got to get through the front nine. So let's let's start off the front nine presented by Metcalf Golf, uh, a natural setting, a pleasant challenge. Golf season may be closer than you think, and I think it is. Mm. Uh, so uh, you think, don't wait to save on golf this season. Buy a membership, join a league, purchase some game packs, and be ready to hit the first tee when the snow melts and we're golfing. Visit MetcalfGolf.com to shop now. Okay, Scott. Uh, yes, sir. Let us get the flagstick open talk out of the way because yeah, it is it, sure. it has been, you know, and we just had pre-show, we had a pre-show chat mm-hmm. just to kind of go over some things before I reach over onto my computer and and click the open button, which by the time we air this podcast registration will be open. So yeah. uh be ready. Registration for the flagstick open is open. <laughs> There you go. Um, we have some things we have to to iron out still. I mean, as always, yep. it's early um, inventory. Uh, you know, with our sponsors, getting registration gift details figured out. You know, we we've got a little bit to figure out there yep. with uh, with the registration gift. But anybody that's ever played in a flagstick open knows that that reg- registration reg- registration gift is going to be phenomenal. Solid. Uh, it's yeah. going to be solid. You're going to like it. Everybody yeah. does every year, always. Yeah. So, um, and that's that's the second question that usually comes yeah. after is registration. What's in the gift this year? So, <clears throat> just tell people right now. Just be patient with us because it takes time to get things organized. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of logistics that are involved in running a tournament operation that's like this. Uh, when we know exactly what it's going to be. We will share. I guarantee it. We're not going to hide it. Uh, We're going to let you know as soon as possible, as we know. So uh, save my inbox, please. Don't (laughs) ask. From the, the, what are we getting? What are we getting? What are we getting? What are we getting? I guarantee you, we always pick out something good. We always have for all the many years that we've run in this tournament. So just be patient with us, the suppliers. It's a busy time of year. Mm Got to get these things organized, but, uh, you know, know, know that, you know, we put as much thought into this event, uh, this year as we have every other year. Uh, this is the 11th playing of the flagstick open amateur championship, uh, coming up and, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll uh, reveal all the details when we can. Well, yeah, exactly. It's a Victoria day long weekend. As always, we're back. This is the second year, uh, in a row that we've been back to that date. Um, it's at Equinel Golf Club, as it always has been. We have a long, uh, agreement, uh, with, uh, Equinel, um, to host there. We want to make it, you know, continue to make it our host club. Uh, it's kind of like our little Augusta in Eastern Ontario. Um, and, uh, you know, everything's still going to be the same, uh, as far as what's included, the golf, the meal, range balls. Hopefully the weather the weather is better yeah. than the last two years. Well, you know what? It's like it's kind of like once you hit the bottom of the barrel, it really is hard to, you know, yeah. go further at the bottom of the barrel. True. So whatever the weather is, it's going to be an improvement over what we had last year. So yeah, yeah. so I'm I'm game for just about anything right now. Um, gotcha. But yes, registration's open, and just to give you an idea, um, there were almost as many on the wait list after mm-hmm. two weeks 
of opening yeah. the registration as we had in the tournament. And we only yeah. we can only take 120 right. uh, max. So there's no slip a couple more groups in. We have an, we yeah. have a set number. We cannot take more than 120. It's a split T event. So um you know enter entries in, enter entries in right away. And uh, if not, you will go on the wait list. And yeah. you know, a lot of people off the wait list did get in, but when you have that many on the wait list, yeah, you want to no, get that entry in yeah, right there's away. No, yeah, there's no guarantee. And, you no. know, uh, everybody's making up their tournament schedules and things right now. Uh, so, you know, get it on your list right away and, and get that entry in and get it taken care of. And then, you know, then you don't have to worry about it. Then you don't have to sit on the wait list and, and wonder, you know, am I going to get drawn uh, and get in the event? So there you go. Okay. All right. Out of the way. Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Yes, sir. Uh, is this weekend or is it's happening. Yes, sir. As we speak, uh, Pebble Beach Pro Am. Um, it's not. It's not the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. It's it's no. Pebble Beach, which is great. But uh, do you watch it? Do you, do you? Is it? You know? Is it just another? Is it another PGA Tour event? Is it? I mean, it's got a good field, reasonably yeah. good field. You know, yeah, that's I questionable. Yeah, like, and that and that's the hard part every year. I mean, here's the thing. You know what? If players are on the PGA Tour, they're good. Right. Mm -hmm. There's obviously great players. There's some great talent that's there. It tends to be an event that, you know, some players will skip if they look at their schedule. Cause you got to remember now, if we look at, you know, the schedule and the elevated events and all the different things, um, do players necessarily want to play pro-ams? Not really a lot. They play in pro-ams because they have to, but this is an extended pro-am through the weekend. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit more torturous. It is Pebble beach. So, you know, that makes a big uh, appeal as far as watching it. You know what? I have a hard time watching this event. Um, I, I love the views for Pebble Beach. I, I certainly will catch some of it just because, you know, follow the Canadians. Uh, ben Silverman, who won on the Corn Ferry Tour last week, he's got a sponsor's exemption to this. It's the first time he's playing the Pebble Beach Pro-Am since 2019 when he was on tour for a couple of years. So it's nice to have an extra Canadian in there this week. Um I'll watch it for the views, but I'm not expecting, you know, a high, big quality tournament with, you know, so it's not, it's not must see TV mm -hmm. for me. Uh, I'll catch some of it, but I won't watch all of it. How's that? Yeah. It's, it, it, you know, it's not, the celebrity part has kind of gotten a little bit old for me. Like Bill yeah. Murray's shtick is, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, he plays every year. Bill Murray's Bill Murray's exciting, you know, funny guy. I wish they'd I, show some of the other celebrities yeah, that are there. Like, like Will just, Arnett and Justin Bateman are playing, which, you know, they're two guys that just love golf. Will Arnett's a Canadian. Mm -hmm. uh, people will know them now a lot through, obviously, Ozark and, you know, Arrested Development, but now Smartless, their podcast or whatever. But, you know, they're golf junkies. But show some of them. I don't want to see more of Bill Murray. Really. No. No, and I, you know, and I don't. I'm not. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers playing golf either. Like, I just, mm. uh, I, I guess this is the celebrity side. Of, first of all, for me, I'm not a, I'm not a starstruck ce celebrity kind of guy anyway. Yeah, like, I, I don't. Yeah. You know, it doesn't. I don't go Google Gaga over whatever Hollywood celebrity is. I think they're sure. extremely talented at what they do. Yeah. They're extremely well paid for what they do. I'm not gonna you know, go out of my way to, oh my God, look who it is. I saw him on the big screen. <laughs> big yeah. deal. Like, frankly, yeah. big deal. So seeing them on the golf course playing at the Pebble, I would rather see the player, the PGA Tour players play Pebble Beach for four days and not have to look at a single celebrity play around the golf. Right. I mean, yeah. A lot of them yeah. are pretty decent golfers, but a lot yeah. of them suck. Yeah. And, and I'm, you but know, I'm hopeful it's... too that maybe, 
you know, maybe CBS will step some things up with the broadcast. I mean, last week, um, you know, at the Farmers Insurance Open, they had during the third round, they they put, uh, you know, an earbud, earbud in, um, you know, Max Homa's ear and mm-hmm. did a little interview going down the fairway. Uh, and who knows? I mean, they're obviously trying to think of things that are being more progressive. I think Pebble Beach with the views and everything and celebrities and stuff there, there is an opportunity to do yeah. something a little bit more creative, um, you know, whether it be camera angles or things like that, whether they do it or not. I mean, they're handed they're handed great material. It just comes down to how they shape it for the viewing audience. Yeah, exactly. More than anything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So love it or hate it. Pebble Beach, yeah. uh, Pebble Beach Pro-Am is, is happening, uh, happening all weekend. Yep. If you I love it. You're, I'm assuming you're not watching the Saudi International <laughs> <laughs> on the, the flagship event on the Asian tour. Uh, no. Okay. No. I'm Which not. will lead us into probably where we're headed next for a conversation. Uh, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Life, life is drama. I mean, yeah. Reality of it is that every day that you wake up and and go about your day, there is going to be a certain level of drama in mm-hmm. your day, uh, sure. whatever it happens to be. I mean, I, I my wife uh, works from home. You know, I hear the things that she goes on goes on through the day that there's uh, there's something. Oh my gosh, you this guy did this or this person did this, and I can't. Whatever. I mean, it's drama. It happens in the workplace. It happens in everyday life. I'm finding more and more, and maybe it's just because it's top of mind right now, but I'm finding more and more that that professional golf, PGA Tour golf, you know, whatever, not just the PGA Tour, but it seems to be isolated around that right now or, right. or that level of golf. There seems to be more attention on the drama that surrounds yeah. it than there is on the golf that's happening yeah. on the golf course, you know, I, th- some... I think one reason that it happens around, you know, the tour, and you mentioned that as far as the tours or the tours specifically, as far as the top level golf is that they are common ground for people. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're not likely to talk about something at a, you know, that they don't know, they all know about it, you know, they're all aware of it. So they talk about it, but I- I'm with you as far as, you know, here's the thing. As you said, there's enough drama in life as it is. Yeah. I, d- I don't need more of it. So, uh-huh. you know, as somebody who's been on Twitter for 15 years, think about that now, right? 70,000 plus tweets or whatever. I find I steer myself away from it. I don't dive into it. That's for sure. Yeah. And I've been involved with, you know, things like golf forums and different things over the years. And, and you're right. People want to have things that are, you know, I, you know, I have an opinion on it. I have an opinion on it. Let's butt heads. Well, you, chances are you're not changing the other person's opinion on it. So you're welcome to that opinion. That's fine. But you're right. I think it gets to a point where, you know, and we're talking specifically here, obviously about, you know, live golf, PGA tour golf or whatever. And, you know, the things that are happening with them. Uh, I, I think the unfortunate part here is it becomes a distraction mm-hmm. from all that is good in the game, you know, and I'll go back yeah. to Max, Max Hobo winning last weekend. It was a fantastic win. Sam Ryder was a good story. He was playing really well there or whatever, you know, those are the stories. And I don't care whether that's the PGA tour or live or whatever, you got to focus on the right things as yeah. far as the story. And, you know, don't sit there and focus on, you know, the money or we're better than you or we're better than you. And that's from both sides, really. Um, I think it's needless. I, I think it takes attention. I think it disrespects the game. Mm-hmm. It takes attention from the game itself 
Uh, and when I say the game itself, the game of golf is not professional golf. No. While it is a common bond for everyone because a lot of people are aware of it, 99.99999% of the golf in the world does not take place on professional tours. You know, no. and, and I think if people spent less of their time and resources worrying about that stuff and realize that, you know, the game of golf is bigger and there's other important parts of the game that they can focus on, they would realize that one you know, golf is not doomed. <laughs> you know, that's when people are sitting there talking about PG tour versus live or whatever, that has nothing to do with what's going to happen at your go local golf club. No, uh, it's not going to change anything. Afternoon. No, it's, it's not, not. It's not going to change anything. It's, and... it's not. So, yeah. So I think it's, it's, you know, I think we've agreed on that, that, mm -hmm. you know, that controversy and, and those, that TMZ level drama, you know, not to, and that's exactly what it is. That's right. to me, that's yeah. what it's come down to. Now, here's the tablet, question for you. Tablet is that, is that our fault? Like not, not you and I specifically, but we're media. Mm. Uh, now, the one thing with us is that we have never, we as, as, as flagstick as a whole from the yeah. 1996, when I started the magazine to now, when we're doing podcasts, we've yeah. never used this platform to create um, conversations about things like that like the yeah. drama we've never yeah, yeah, yeah. we've always been about reporting so, and discussing right but yeah. is it the media's fault is no, the media okay. the one that's taking the situation I'll, I'll, with I'll, rory and patrick reed and turning it yeah. into something that it's mm. that, that it's not i'll put i'll put it two ways here one i would say some are because they know it's i mean all you have to do is look through google uh, google keyword searches and and see that you know obviously you know, a certain other league is a, a big hot topic. So it's really easy to look at the analytics and go, okay, well, I'm going to do something about that because it's going to get clicks. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, and I get it, you know, but, you know, make sure it's quality stuff. I think the other side of it now is that, you know, uh, mainstream media is mainstream media or actual journalists as far as doing things. They, they, they provide a certain change in the temperature. I think the temperature change in a lot of cases comes from, the social media and the fact that there's so many accounts that are just relying on rumors. I heard it from this person. I heard it from this person. And then that person, cause I get it all the time. People mm -hmm. will come back to me and they'll say, Oh, Oh, I heard so-and-so player is getting this. I'm like, where'd you hear that? Well, I, I read it on this account and that, that account says they have a good source. That, that <laughs> person is sitting in their basement someplace and has never covered a professional golf tour in their life. And they're not responsible for their words. No, that, that's the thing as, as a, you know, and I can tell you from, you know, looking at the golf journalists association and every, all our members and things like that, we are responsible for our words. You know, we, we mm -hmm. can't, we can't sit there and throw stuff out. That's just fake. You know what I mean? We have to have sources for it. We have, you know, citations for it or whatever. I'm not saying every journalist, you know, cover, you know, you know, sticks to that, but I would say the temperature gets, pushed up by a lot of anonymous stuff and stuff that's put out there but, but doesn't right. a lot of that anonymous stuff scott happen in the mainstream media that is supposed to be accountable some, some. like i mean i mean and, but these, i think these that's things a problem come from somewhere they're unsubstantiated i mean yeah but they don't necessarily come from the media the media only makes up a small portion of the the people in the world there's more other people in the world right but it's but but something may start uh by by a simple um, a simple tweet or a simple mm -hmm. post or a simple article sure. that 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 doesn't quite have all the facts but mm -hmm. isn't but is not untrue and then your your bottom feeders uh of social media grab onto it and the whole thing goes viral and it's just mm -hmm. it the story i mean we know the old story of how 
you tell a story yeah, to somebody and then that person yeah, adds a, some color yeah, and tells it to someone else and yeah. so on and so on. And is that kind of it, where things are, where this well, is I going? Think, I think, I think one of the things that happens too, and you know, and obviously people have to be very careful as far as from a, you know, even from a journalism standpoint, they have to, there's a difference between reporting and opinions and people have to realize that op-eds mm. are, are not journalism, you know, they're writing, their yep. contributions, but they're not but journalism. They're, yes, right. Agree. They're not journalism. So, you know, people have to look to things that have cited possible, you know, sources and whatever. And I get there's tons of situations where you have, you know, sources that want to remain anonymous or whatever. But I think too many people are too quick to just throw stuff out there for the sake of clout and the mm -hmm. sake of clicks uh, to gather attention. Um, and, and unfortunately, as a result of it, 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 it turns up a temperature where it doesn't need to be, you know what, granted on the other side of it, you know, yes. Is there situations that need investigation and that are controversial for sure? Yeah. I'm not yeah. saying the it's a perfect little world. There's certainly stuff that's happening in, in certain situations that need to be addressed. Um, but they need to be addressed in as much of a professional way as possible. And again, I, I think people have to realize and separate that that's not golf, right? No, that's not golf. That, that is, that is golf at a professional level, but that's, you know, when you hear the opinions from people, when all of a sudden their, their, their opinion of golf is shaped by that, that's a problem for associations, for professionals, for anybody that's involved, managers, anybody that's involved in the game of golf, has to then be helpful and contribute and realize, okay, you know what? We have to be working harder to educate people that that's not golf. That's not what happens at the club down the street. No, it, it, it doesn't matter. You know, um, two tours fighting has nothing to do with the price of, you know, a hat in your pro shop. No. And it's kind of like, you can attribute that sort of when you see, you know, when you you're watching like shows like e-talk or, um, whatever, whatever, uh, major news TV shows. And they're starting to, and they're talking about celebrities and this celebrity did this and they were caught, they were seen out here doing this. Mm, that's a yeah. TMZ mentality. That's, that's what you're looking You're looking at the celebrity. Got, got, the got celebrity is doing this. Well, who yeah. cares? Yeah. Like, does that well, celebrity doing that have any impact on my life whatsoever? No, the people no they could be out at the bar getting drunk yeah. to the hearts, content and falling yeah. all over the floor. That's a scandal for them. That's not a scandal for me. Yeah. It changes nothing in my life. Live I'm, golf I'm, and the PGA Tour, yeah. doing what they're doing, bickering back and forth, not, you know, whatever the case may be, it has absolutely no bearing on my life whatsoever. I'm yeah. going to get up in the spring when when I'm golfing, I'm going to get up, I'm going to grab my clubs, I'm going to go to the course and I'm going to play golf. Mm -hmm. And nothing that they do or say or how much money they make or don't make or what tours do and what or whether they're getting ranking points and I could care absolutely less. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It changes yeah. nothing in my life. And like you say, it doesn't cost it doesn't change the cost of a stick of gum. Right. You know, yep. it, it doesn't. And well and if it didn't exist, I mean I wouldn't care if we weren't talking about it because there's lots of other golf things to talk about that exactly. are probably just as worthy or if not more. So, exactly. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's great to turn on the TV and watch, uh, you know, professional golf, whether it's at the oh, PGA to Tour, the, the DP the World Tour, the Corn Ferry Tour, the LPGA, PGA yeah. Tour Canada, the LPGA. Yeah. It's great to turn on and watch people that are extremely good. It's like turning on the TV and watching an NHL hockey game. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, but if I but if I couldn't turn on the TV and watch an NHL hockey game, yeah, it, it's not necessarily going to change my life any. Right, you know, it might yeah. change my TV watching habits. Yeah, but you know, 
it's not going to change my life. I, you well, know, you I can, can watch can, OHL or I can go, yeah. you know, go to the local rink and watch junior hockey there. Like I'll get my hockey fix in. Just, just imagine if, uh, you know, social media was alive when the uh, WHA NHL stuff was going on. Well, it would have been exactly. It would have been the, the, the live golf PGA yeah. tour yeah. of, yeah. of the, yeah. you know, yeah, of the exactly. 1970s. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. it, it was the same thing, the same yeah. concept. The WHA was paying NHL, you know, NHL players that were at the end of their career, right. exorbitant amounts of money yep. to be the figureheads for this new for sure. association. And then yep. what ended up happening to the WHA? See ya. It got absorbed by the NHL. And now we yeah. have, and we, now we have the Edmonton Oilers, the Winnipeg yeah. Jets and so on and so forth. Yeah. Is that what's going to happen with live golf? Are they going to, who knows? No, who but, knows? but, uh, but I think it's, it's probably the, Closest comparable in a non-social media area era that I've, yeah. I've seen for sure. So. Yeah, it came, it went, it happened, it's done. And yeah. yeah, if we didn't have if we didn't have endless amount endless ways of learning about stuff the way we do mm. now, right? We probably you know, a lot of there's a lot of stuff that we wouldn't be talking about. Well, exactly. Well, we wouldn't be having we wouldn't be having a podcast. <laughs> Well, true. You're right. So. We we wouldn't be here right now doing this. Yeah. We we'd back, still be doing we'd be other back things. on the radio. <laughs> God, still be on the radio. Oh my God. Okay. Do you want to talk about this YouTube thing? I think yeah. we've got some. We've got some time before we need to sure. take a break. Let's uh let's dive into um. I, like uh, we've never really talked a lot about it, and I mean I I and what I was talking about here is uh you know YouTube content creators in the golf space, which are obviously you know again we're on YouTube, mm -hmm. so you know we're a content creator, but not in the same way at this point. Um, but you know uh, what I want to know is you know I start to talk to more and more golfers, and they ask them questions about this. Um, especially obviously it, it affects things like marketing and so forth, because we've got, you know, uh, influencers, uh, YouTube content creators doing deals and stuff like that. But, you know, what I find is there's a certain audience within that. Now, every audience is going to be different. There's going to be outliers and things like that. And I will admit right here from the start that I watch a fair bit uh, of content uh, of YouTube golf on online for particular reasons and, and looking at it from marketing creativity standpoint and stuff like that, uh, general entertainment for sure. Um, but I also find the audience is very young to the point. I remember being mm -hmm. with a YouTuber uh, a few years back at a, at a PGA show and, you know, obviously they were doing quite well and, and they were, they were gaining an audience, but you know, they thought that for some reason that their audience would be, you know, all these people that were at the, the PGA show that were, you know, 30 to 50 years old or whatever. And what they ended up finding out was it was a whole bunch of 12 year olds that were the kids of the people that were at the show. They were coming mm -hmm. up and going, Hey, I watch your YouTube channel or whatever. Not to say that that's not an important market, because as we know, you know, the junior golfers of tomorrow or the junior golfers of today are the golfers tomorrow. So yep. what I want to know is, you know, do you watch this? What are your thoughts on it in general? What do you like? Don't like what's what's your what's your take on it uh, as far as uh, a creative outlet in golf? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm kind of a, I guess we'll say hit and miss. Uh, okay. Some of it I do pay attention to. Um okay. Probably the ones that I pay more attention to are the are the YouTube uh, the YouTubers that are that are kind of like this, where it's more of a YouTube podcast type okay. thing. Sure. Um, I watch a little bit of the instruction um, okay. to see what types of uh, types of things uh, you know you know are being uh, are being recorded on YouTube for instruction. Sure. Uh, some of the some of the 
the product based stuff where where um, they're talking like re about reviews different, and different stuff? products, reviews and things like okay. that. The more um, I don't know how to describe it. Do you watch the some more... of like the, the playing stuff and the, you know, the groups that are out, you know, engaging in matches and stuff like that? Yeah, Is that stuff I'm not, you don't watch? Not, not really yeah. as much for me. I mean, I don't have yeah. a ton of time to, to watch yeah, yeah, a ton yeah. of the stuff on YouTube and I kind of back and forth myself between, between golf and hockey. Sure. Um, course, yeah. And I'm kind of the same way with hockey. I mean, I do, I post some things on YouTube through hockey with instruction Mm -hmm. Um, and I watch similar things as well, instructors doing, and maybe as, as a golf, as a golf professional and a teacher instructor yourself, you know, watching other people doing, seeing how they deliver, uh, their message, the content of what they deliver, whether good, you agree good, good or, or bad. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, like I'll watch a right. lot of hockey based stuff. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not a golf instructor, so sure. I, I watch golf instruction for the sake of, as a player, if right. there's something of interest to me, but from a hockey yeah. perspective, it's the other, it's the opposite. I teach right. it, I instruct it. So I'm watching how other instructors, what drills they're sure. doing and whether yeah. I agree with them. Yeah. Um, I very seldom comment. I'll say that I'll say that is one thing. I'm I'm not an active participant. Mm. Um yeah. I subscribe to a lot of YouTube channels in both hockey and golf, sure. but I don't participate. And part of the reason yeah. for that is I find that when you start participating and leaving comments, their opinions a lot of time. And right. Yeah. Nothing yeah, yeah. that I tell somebody about what they're teaching yeah. in a negative fashion. Right. Um is gonna, really, really it. substantiated yeah. because yeah. I might be wrong and it might mm. just be the way I want to show it. Yeah. So I don't really, now, if I yeah. really like something, I might say, yeah. you know, bang on, love that sure. great comment, great tip. Uh, you know, really enjoy the, uh, you know, the podcast or really enjoy your channel, like yeah. positive stuff. Not really much. Sure. I'm not a negativity guy. I just, yeah. I, I would say I'm a curious guy. So even if I look at, you know, golf instruction stuff, I'm the same thing. I, I won't be leaving going, oh, that thing's trash or whatever the case may be. There's value in a lot of different things one way or the other. Um, if it's somebody that I know, I might engage with them and, and ask them, hey, uh, you know, you chose to do this this way. What, what are yeah. you doing that based on? So I'm doing it from an education standpoint. Um, I would say I, I have a great respect for some of the channels that are coming up in the in their production value. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think that those are the ones that seem to have the most success uh, are the ones that, you know, if you look at it from a filmmaking standpoint and, you know, I'll follow uh, like a lot of people do, like a Casey Neistat, who's a you know filmmaker, um, you know, you look at the stories and, and they think about it. You know, you can tell when a, a video is carefully crafted as far as they're going, OK, you know, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to start with. Here's the shots we're going to do. You know, here's our drone shots. Here's our other shots. Here's our transitions that we're going to do. And you can see that, you know, a channel and I'll, I'll use a, you know, a big channel for an example, say a good, good. Um, they've got, you know, two guys behind it who worked in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. you know, so they're, they're talented. They have skills, right? Uh, and not to say that people that, you know, don't have a Hollywood production, it doesn't provide value, but it doesn't, it doesn't hit kind of the same way. So, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a growing market, but I also think it's much like a lot of other digital type things. People have to be very careful, especially from a business standpoint of what they get involved in. So if all of a sudden somebody is showing, you know, X online, maybe it's trick shots or whatever, but you know, their company invests in that person. Well, what if that person, you know, it took them 57 tries to pull off that trick shot or, you know, it's digitally faked or whatever. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that for people, 
audiences can be tricked, but you know, somebody has to be really to be authentic if they're going to be an influencer in most ways, mm-hmm. um, especially in reality. You know, if you take somebody out of the YouTube sphere or take them away from the social media sphere and then you put them in person, it can be a whole different other story of yeah. what, your perception of who they are uh, versus who they become. And I've been at situations, and I think I mentioned to you, where all of a sudden, you know, I was at an event where a bunch of influencers were, you know, uh, basically added to the event. They came to the event. Yes, they provided value with, you know, eyeballs and things like that and engagement and things like that. But when it came to a real life situation where they were being asked to, um, you know, talk to the people involved and ask you know questions of them you all of a sudden see that they're not journalists so they are what they are so i think from an entertainment standpoint i think it's a great side of things i think it's a great way for uh content to be created but i just think people have to be you know just a little bit leery sometimes about what people present versus what they really are um it's a great sphere you know to to get into Will I watch more of it? Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's easy to see who's providing quality and who's not. If all of a sudden I go to watch a review of equipment and people don't even know how to pronounce the name of an equipment manufacturer or, uh, you know, they, you can clearly see, or at least I can, um, that's that there's issues there with their knowledge level. And that's where I get concerned with all of a sudden, you know, some 12 year old getting influenced by a person who is obviously, you know, not really educated regarding that. And that would be the same for hockey instruction or golf instruction. I see a lot of trash that gets out there where you just see misinformation. That's probably doing more damage than good. And those people would probably be better off. And there's some great stuff out there. But in a lot of the cases, people have to realize it's not the magic bullet while it's free. And you're still probably better off to have a personal coach with you, working you and guiding you through those particular things. Because some of those solutions that you see online, again, any sport that it is out there, they may not apply to you. You know, mm-hmm. so it becomes the web MD of, of golf, you know, well, it, it, hey, exactly. let's, let's, let's look yeah. for a, uh, Oh, I'm coughing. Oh my God. I, I must have this, you know <laughs> I mean? That's, that's, that's so guilty that's charged with the web right. MD. Thing, right. Right? Like, right. So a lot, yeah. a lot of that happens that way. So I think it's got a lot of potential. Um, I, I just think, you know, the over time, Bad stuff will get weeded out. Good stuff will push its way forward. And I'll, I'll, I'll already you see, you know, better stuff sort of rise and, you know, become the, the cream of the crop. Um, but it's it's got a future within the game for sure. Oh, I think so too. I totally agree. I kind of like um, look at it like there's three three stages of, of for me anyway, <clears throat> with respect to YouTube. If your content is really, really solid, yeah. Then I can tolerate your production value, your right. production yeah, level yeah, yeah. being weak. Well, yeah, if well your said. content yep. is really, really weak, yeah. and your production hmm. uh, quality is really high scale, yeah. Then I'm I'm bound to turn. I'm bound to tune in for that. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. So aim to be really decent and really good with your content. Yeah. And really decent and really good with your production value, and, and you got me. Yeah, you know, you yeah. don't have to be perfect on one side or the other, right. but if you're yeah. if you're decent yeah. in on both sides of it, then yeah. you're probably going to get me. But if you're, you know what I mean? Like if your yeah. production value sucks and your content sucks, well, you're going to get dropped from my subscriber list or not get subscribed altogether. And yeah. on the other side, if your production value is is really good and your mm-hmm. content is really good, well, you're definitely going to get yeah. me, right? Well, so, I think the I think my last point uh, that I'd have uh, on all that is that. Um, you know, one, if 
you know, again, they're trying to gain attention, but if you all of a sudden see a lot of clickbait thumbnails hmm. and, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that, and then I go watch the video, you know, and it's not even close to that. No, thanks. But, but if it's genuine, um, I'm more than happy to see that. And then on the other side of it too, you know what, do what you can. I mean, I get it. Some people have a big production team or whatever, but you know, a lot of people end up just trying to feed the algorithm. So they end up just trying to jam as much stuff up there as possible. And sometimes it's not very good. And I think a lot of creators find out quickly that, you know, feeding the algorithm is not really a healthy way to, to go. Um, so just, just put out good quality stuff at, and the timing that you need and away you go. Okay. I got one more thing to say. And we got a couple minutes in, then we got to take a break. I got one more thing to say about YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram and things like that. When it comes Mm -hmm. to your kids. Yeah. Okay. Now this applies to, this applies to any athletic or anything really, but because we're golfers and, you know, and and hockey and things like that, um, I'm going to focus on that. When you post some video of your young lad Mm. or young uh, daughter or whatever, um, doing swinging a golf club, chipping, putting, playing hockey, doing drills, when you think that what you're seeing on your video is something extraordinary. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know where you're going. Be careful (laughs) what you're posting because you're actually potentially, and I see this more with the hockey than the golf because I don't see as much of the posting with golf because it's really kind of hard to see a good swing. It's not hard to see a good swing and a bad swing. But when when you post it and it's not good and you think it's good, think about the fact that the comments and the Mm -hmm. eyeballs that are on that because it's one thing that I see, especially on TikTok. Yeah. People comment on those videos and some of the comments that are made on those videos are so hurtful Yeah, because what you're showing is a kid doing something that you think is extraordinary and and that the kid loves and then the kid, but the kid loves to do and you're basically going to destroy them because they're going to all of a sudden they're going to be watching it or they share it with their friends or whatever. And they're reading all the comments and it's like, Oh boy, this is not good. So yeah, I I, I would say, yeah, definitely a lot of caution should be taken there for sure. You want a video it posted on Facebook and, you know, for your friends, like, like, you know, I I post stuff that my kids do that I do, you know, all the time on Facebook, but those things go to my friend group. Now I know they can get shared outside that, but they're, they're not intended for that. And I don't say, Hey, check out how awesome my young lad did this or whatever. It's, it's kind of like general post, but when you kind of butter it up and put it out there in social media for everybody thinking that you're exposing your kid to some college scout somewhere uh, (laughs) and and it's not good, then you're damaging, damaging. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Okay. We got to take a break. When we come back, we are going to dive into the topic of the perfect club starting from scratch and get into some of the comments and whatnot that we've uh, received on the Twitter post that Scott made. So stick around. We'll be right back on the Flagstick Podcast. When you golf on Prince Edward Island, there are over 400 fairways closer than you can imagine. Not to mention countless miles of pristine beaches and a rich world-class culinary experience. So get here fast, then take it slow and play around on island time. Golf Prince Edward Island.
And welcome back to the Flagstick Podcast with your host, Jeff Botter and Scott McLeod. What's going on, um, Jeffrey? So we got uh, we got this really, really cool little topic we want to dive into. And... I wouldn't say little. <laughs> no. little, little Are any of the topics we really get into on this podcast that little? Well, some could be, but this one is definitely a big topic. It's, a, it's, big... A little, it's a little question with lots of people with lots of opinions. On yeah, it. How's there's that? endless yeah. possibilities here, but uh, we're going to... Sure. Yeah, we definitely want to dive into this because it's it's going to be a cool little discussion. Um, the back nine is brought to you by Golf Sim Gurus. Work on your game all year round in the privacy of your own home. Custom golf simulator setups built to your specs and to fit your budget. Visit GolfSimGurus.ca to learn more. All right, um, the perfect yeah. club. Yeah. And we're not, um, and we're not talking. As you said, no. this is not, this is not the infomercial golf no. club that you saw, you know, on the golf channel. This is Hi, not Bobby. Look at this. It's got yeah, the soul plate of the thing. Okay, no, yeah, yeah. no. This is. Uh, so, what does the perfect club look like to you? Strip right. it down. Yeah. Start from scratch. Yeah. Um, I guess we could say, forget about how much it costs to to build build this particular like we you yeah, gotta, if I you mean, want it to be perfect you can't have you can't have parameters you know no you, but you but if you want it to be perfect it actually has to be functional and it has to be yes. realistic so here. it can't be stupid like, 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 we're right. trying not to be outrageous here with yeah. with uh you know floating golf carts and yeah, yeah, and, yeah. uh you yeah, know I'll, drones, I'll relate you know I'll relate it back to a golf architecture course I took years ago where they basically give you a topographical map and you have to design a golf course on that layout. Right. Now there's challenges within that layout because yes. the property that was there had certain lakes and stuff on it. I can tell you the person that built 40 bridges to go back mm -hmm. and forth across the lakes probably failed <laughs> because from a functional standpoint, um, you know, you can't do that and then also say, hey, the green fee has got to be $40. Well, uh, you know, I mean, look, unless, of course, his intention from the very beginning of seeing the topographical map and the property idea was to name his golf course 40 Bridges Golf Club. Yeah, exactly. Then he had, then literally had no <laughs> at, choice or to call it the bridges. Green, and a $400 <laughs> green fee to pay for the bridges the bridge, and their maintenance. Well, <laughs> I hope that it was a heck of a golf course. For four hundred dollar green fee and forty yeah. bridges to cross. Yeah, okay, exactly. so essentially, what we're doing here is we are reimagining the golf club from ground zero. Yeah, zero, 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 zero. Sam Mitchell Raptors zero, 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 yeah. zero. That's the stat line. Yeah. So, you know, what does that look like? Um, so I let's don't... so let's let's start here. Here, I'll, we'll we'll frame it up, and obviously, okay. there's lots of different ways we can go about it and things and. I, I think one thing that, you know, I, in putting the notes out there, I look at it as a whole. I look at it from every aspect that's involved in those clubs. Mm -hmm. I will tell you that most of the responses, and believe me, I've got 50 some odd detailed responses and then a bunch of other ones and 15,000 impressions on the tweet <laughs> that was put out yesterday, um, that a lot of people and probably too many people focused, which you still have to, mm -hmm. on the physical golf course itself. And you oh, have yeah. to remember, we're not, to, I didn't say perfect golf course. I said perfect golf club yeah. and all the things that go into it to make it successful, to make it attractive and whatever. So uh, yeah, I will say a lot of the comments that came in, there were a lot of great comments that were not just related to that, mm -hmm. but I would say a lot of people, their first instinct was to look at the golf course 
which is obviously very key, but it's also, you know, you can build the greatest golf course, but that doesn't mean it's going to be successful because there's a lot of other elements to make. No, the greatest golf course might not be the greatest golf club. Correct. Exactly. But in, but in, but in reimagining a golf club from ground zero, yes, you know, Obviously, the course. I is too, a huge my element. first, my first instinct yeah. would be: first things first, I want to build a golf course, right? That that I'm interested in being right. at on yeah. a weekly, daily basis and playing. So that's right. got to be. So what, so, what would the elements that would that would, you know, what what would be that included for you? What would that include? Sorry, in the perfect golf course component of it, or yeah, perfect, are exactly. we, okay. So, from a golf course perspective, um, yeah. I am one that particular i like variety Mm -hmm. uh in in the holes um i like elevation Mm -hmm. um doesn't have to be ridiculous you know mont tremblant uh you know elevation here it can be just you know just some realistic elevation some kind of levels of up and down i like variety i don't i don't particularly like to stand on the tee and say oh didn't i just play this hole so yeah i like some variety in my holes and it doesn't i'm not an architect by any means but i've seen a lot of golf courses and played a lot of golf courses i know that it does not take much when you're designing a hole to make it look different than the one you just played right so even if it's still straight yeah, exactly. Instead um, of just the back and forth, back and forth, like you said, it looks I, like the exact same. I like, uh, for me, I like bunkering. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, uh, I like my bunkering to be the, the from the condition of the golf course. I like my bunkering. I like edging on my bunkering. I like it to look sharp. Uh, I don't like grass growing in it. I don't like, you know, unless that's the design characteristic where you have sort of the the furry edges, we'll call them, where it's the, you know, the longest grass that grows over and it's kind of, that's the style mm-hmm. of that particular yeah, that design. That doesn't need to be in the bunker. No, it doesn't need to be tufts of grass in the bunker, the bunker, nor does it need yeah. to be, clearly you're not maintaining the golf course because yeah. the edges of your bunker have sand over yeah. top of them. That's, that's not, that's a maintenance issue. That's not a design sure. issue. Yeah. Um, I like uh, varying in lengths, different tees. Like I, yes. I like to have some variety because I'm not one that goes to a golf course specifically to play the back tees. Right. Yes, yeah. I'm a single digit handicap. Yes, I yeah. can play a golf course yeah, in 7,500 years, but I want, yeah, I want to be able to mix it up with yeah. the people I'm playing with and for myself. Sometimes and again, I... we're still trying to we're still trying to put in the elements here that it's a perfect golf club, not just for you to play, mm-hmm. but for everyone to play. Right. So my vision, that's, yeah. you know, I mean, there's a number of other things that I would, I mean, I could go list, could go on and on and on of what I like oh, yeah. to see in a golf endless. course. Yeah. But we want to get to, we want to talk about some of the other elements of the club part of it. But, but yeah. what about you? Like what, what in a golf course I, I would, would say, you like to see? I would say a lot of the things that you said are, are, are very, um, you know, very common. The very common themes, not only responses, but my own thoughts, you know, creative design. Again, it doesn't have to be super, super long. Um, decent conditioning. I don't have to put on marble tables. It just has to be, you know, somewhat consistent. Um, you know, it can roll, they can roll eight as long as they're somewhat smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, you and know, from it has, green to green. Right. It has to be sustainable. Um, you know, as someone commented, built on sand, sand is really great as far as that, as far as the turf and the feel of turf. Um, I, I like it to be playable in the fact that um, it's not so penal that, you know, golfers can't, I mean, here's the thing. We, we play with a shotgun, not a rifle. Um, so, you know, recognize that, 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 that 
shotgun spray is a lot wider even for a lot of other players so make it playable i'm not saying saying play in the field um but you know recognize and understand that for people to uh have an enjoyable time at all the different levels they also don't need to be spending another 80 dollars on golf balls uh to play that so um you know be fair as far as that's concerned you know still be interesting still have mm-hmm. some some challenges i mean i look at a course like winter park in florida the challenges are on the greens they're not so much off the tees you know there's interesting targets and things to go for but you know you've got to hit quality shots into the greens which you know almost everybody can be capable of of pulling off something good so we want turf condition to be good doesn't need to be 7500 yards um i i like the uh option of a short course yeah uh, at the club uh, a par three course uh whether that's you know three holes six holes or whatever um you know i I, from a junior golfer beginning golfer from a teaching standpoint I, i think it's a it's a it's an invaluable facility that's, you know, left out. Um, I'd, I'd forsake 500 yards of my golf course for the sake of having a good side practice facility that had, or a little short course, because the thing is you, then you don't have to take up inventory on that course for playing lessons, for getting people to learn the game and integrating. So that practice facility is super, super important because, you know, if you're going to foster growth within the game, you have to be able to teach not just juniors, but beginners how to be comfortable in that environment. So you almost need like that, I don't know if you've ever seen that uh, in the Durham region uh, of Ontario here, there's a fake town that they do driving training in. Mm -hmm. in. But this is sort of the same thing. I would like to see that practice facility have the different elements that you might see on the golf course, be it, be it signage, be it, you know, to be playable. You can play a few mm-hmm. holes on there, be it where to put your carts and, and things like that. There's lots of different things that can bring into it. So a good practice facility is certainly important. Um, so that's that's more in the physical side of it as far as the, the golf course is concerned. It definitely has to have, um, like I said, um, walkable. Uh, very easy to walk. Yeah. And there's a few people that jumped in and said, oh, walking only or whatever. I, I get what they're saying, but you have to still bring into account there are some people that, you know, once people can't walk, the game is restricted for them because they don't have that capable of doing. So maybe more on a medical standpoint that they, they do that. Um, you know, there's a couple of people that got into arguments in, in the channel over, you know, walkers versus carts as far as being faster. People are faster. It's not the cart or the the tra- the travel method more than anything. Well, so. and that too, and there's something that has to be considered in all of these uh, in all of these things these that we're putting on this checklist is that that the perfect the 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 perfect golf club for you mm-hmm. um the, the, in your mind you know right. imagine the perfect golf club it's it's also a business yes so no 100%. matter no matter whether it's the perfect golf club for you or not right. the one factor in here that we have to take into account is yeah. that is that somebody has to run it so when you yeah. talk about having a walking only golf course that's great mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if it's but a private, cl- to- if it's a private it- club that you're paying uh, a lot of money for, and mm-hmm. and the revenue model allows for, okay. Yeah, we can we can run a golf course that's walking only because we don't need cart revenue. Yeah, and I wouldn't say it has to be public or private. I mean, they could gain that revenue in other ways. I think they just have to balance the fact that if they take that out and it is a revenue source, mm-hmm. that they have to balance that with some other revenue source. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I would say it's sure. not exclusionary or that way. I, I think the it took a while actually before you know someone made the point and they and they reached out and they eventually posted, but had a general manager pro from a you know a pre, you know prestigious top level club said, you know 
people are missing one thing as far as the top level club they're talking about the physical facility and we can still talk about things that are going in the clubhouse and, and stuff like that but they're like they never talked about people and you got to have the staffing that will provide the service levels to have the same vision that everyone else has and to buy mm -hmm. into that and all row in the same direction and just as we said you can have the perfect golf course but if the rest of the operation doesn't work uh, that, uh, yeah, that business doesn't work. So, mm -hmm. you know, that gets neglected in a lot of cases and people will think that maybe that just because the course is really great, that they don't need to have great service, but you know, the experience totally is not just about the golf course. It's about every little touch point that people were involved mm -hmm. in. So one of the aspects that would, for me was, you know, have professionals that are there, have people that are, and I'm not saying that they have to be in this association or this association, this, they have to be people that are committed to the industry and committed yeah. to their job and rowing in the right direction. Uh, certifications and all that stuff. I totally believe in all that aspect of it, but the, it comes down to the people themselves and how they're executing and doing things. And if you have good people and they're, they're going all together in the same vision, it makes a lot of a difference. That's for sure. And, and there needs to be more put into human resources at a lot of golf courses. Yeah. And I think part of the problem that the golf courses run into as does any business is it's one thing when you're searching for uh, professional staff, um, it's one thing when you're searching for chefs and, 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 and people yeah. that are making the food. It's one thing when you're looking for a manager or a superintendent and, and allocating dollars to, to paying, finding the right people and paying those people appropriately to do the job to, right. to, to provide what it is that your, your patrons want. Yeah. It's the, it's the other staff that's the tough one. And, and it's gotten harder and harder to, to, to find people who are invested yeah. Um, well, I get you know, that. For, I get that. For, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like making yeah. like part-timers and, 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 and things I, like and that. I get that. Those, those people are not, those people are, you're not having the expectation that they're going to make it a career, but it's then the responsibility to have the good managers and other people in place to train those people properly, mm -hmm. to give them the level of enthusiasm that they need to have in the job and to present them the fact that here's, here's what you're doing. You're just not here for a paycheck. Your job and your days will be much better if you can provide a better experience and it'll, you know, it basically feeds on itself. And, you know, if you train them well and show them how to do the job properly, they'll enjoy it better. And it, you know, in a lot of cases, these people are just vessels, right? But you got to pick out the personality traits. They don't necessarily have to be a golfer, but you got to pick out the personality traits that are going to best suit them to the job and train them properly to be able to do it. So I think within the perfect golf club, you've got to have those people. And I think that's a big part of it. Um, but you've also got to make sure that your expectations of them are not beyond what your facility can provide as well. You know, if all of a sudden you set that person up and your food and beverage, you don't pay a lot of attention to your food and beverage. And all of a sudden you put them, that person out as a server. I mean, you basically just, you know, yeah. you just throw them to the wolves. More well, it's a, it, to me, it's a top, it's a top down model. I mean, yeah. your, your managers, the people that are managing the people underneath them. So your restaurant manager yeah. or your food and beverage manager. Those are your managers, rock stars. Those are your yeah. rock stars. Yeah. yeah. They they have to be invested. Yeah. They also, from an investment perspective, they have to be invested also in the people that are working those part-time jobs, the servers, right. the the, yep. the bar sta staff, because how they treat and work with those people that are not management 
yeah. will dictate a lot of how those people treat the customer. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if that manager is a power hungry, anal retentive, you know, mm -hmm. you know, tyrant, yeah, then and they treat the staff underneath them with disrespect and mm -hmm. and you know, I'm I'm bigger than you kind of attitude, then the staff mm -hmm. down below are gonna are going to come to work with the attitude that well, I'm I'm coming to work because I need my fifteen dollars an hour. I need right. I need to make some yeah. money. They're not coming yeah. to work because they look forward to going to work. Yeah, and but not I, every part-time person comes, you know, looks forward to no. going to work. But yeah. but if you make it seem like going to work is, uh, you know, you know, oh, who's you know, they're talking amongst themselves, and it's oh, who's who's uh, who's managing tonight? Mm. Oh, it's so and so. Oh crap, it's gonna be, a sh yeah. you know. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. not what you want. You but want you also, and you want to help them within their job, right? Yeah. Like I can remember being a pro shop manager and and having a sixteen or seventeen year old staff member that was behind the desk at the pro shop, and it's making life easier for them and understanding how life can be easier for them. So mm -hmm. you know, when you're going in there, don't give them crap for the fact that they're having a seat behind the counter because they're tired and whatever the case. You know, I made sure to try and teach that staff that hey, you know what. If you if you you're going to get crap from a, a you know you're complaining because you're getting crap from a member because you're sitting down and doing whatever, the thing is is you can help yourself by getting up and engaging them first mm -hmm. and and being yeah. on the upper hand and uh, guess what as soon as you put a smile on your face and you offer a positive experience to them they're going to feel guilty if they try to give you crap. So the thing is, as a manager, you can try to help that staff. And that just makes the experience just that much better overall. So you got to create that, that culture within that. So, okay. Um, so, so a quality product. Great service. is a big deal. Good, Good service and staffing yeah. is, is a, is a must. So let's talk about, say, go ahead. Uh, uh, sorry, what you're going to say something. I was going to say you're no, you're just saying as far as quality. Yeah. Quality, but that's more the, the physical amenity as far as the course the, the main product so right, it's a yeah, golf yeah. course so you've right. got a right. it's a golf club exactly. so you've got a golf yep. course so that if yep. that's not there there's no golf club so right exactly it's a golf course then you've got now you've got a clubhouse and a restaurant and everything mm -hmm. you've got people in there people yep. out in the parking lot people on the tee whatever your yep. starters your your marshals whatever you want to call them your guest assistants yep. um you know now you're talking about let's talk about you know the amenities uh, mm -hmm. the things that are offered okay yeah. Now, are these the kinds of things we're talking about that that uh, a member of a club would be looking for, or just you know, no, I mean, there's anybody. not a lot of public no, only no. golf courses really anymore. There, you know, at least not in our region. There's not a lot of public specific golf courses. Most well, golf courses semi, have members, or we'll call it semi private or whatever. But yeah. you know, and we're not talking a, a muni here or whatever. But I mean, it's still something. Any golf course in general, if they're going to have success and they want to have year round revenue and they want to have a successful business where they're not really trying to put the pressure on a short season where they all of a sudden looking at their revenue is only their green fee. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. You know, yes. your green fee can only go up so by so much. So it's investing in the other facilities, the indoor simulators, the dining experience. I mean, one of the best things I ever heard from someone is that, you know, they were talking about their course and they're like, my goal is to have our golf course be the number one restaurant for our customers. Mm -hmm. So that if you have somebody that comes to your place, you know, if they think about going to dinner on Friday night, they don't think about going to X or X or X no. or whatever. They think, man, I'm going to the golf course, whether it's a member course or not. It, it's creating that experience with those amenities could be fitness, 
Mm-hmm. You know, I know a number of courses that, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, one course, for example, um, they, in a customer survey for their, within their membership and their public golfers, they basically found out that, you know, a large percentage of their customers were paying, you know, to be a member at a fitness club. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, why can't we be the fitness club? You know, when they looked at what the average fitness facility was or whatever, and they put in a fitness facility and they were able to blend that same fee that people were paying membership dues to, they were able to then spend that money at the same place, but it also kept them going to that golf course and it made their, you know, their juice bar all of a sudden be busier. Their coffee bar was busier. They had people coming for breakfast because they were coming for the fitness. Then they had people that were coming to do workouts and then finishing their workout and then sitting down in their dining room and doing work on their laptop for a couple hours while they had a cup of coffee or whatever. So it's, it's putting the greater reasons for people to come to your facility to create a, a stronger attachment. The thing is, I mean, I guess as a course, as a course operator, when you're looking at, you know, you know, what, what do you do? Mm-hmm. You open the doors, you're a golf course, you got a golf course out there, you open your clubhouse, you've got a pro shop, you've got a restaurant in there, you're servicing tournaments and so on and so forth. You've got office staff working in there maybe. Yeah. So what, what part of makes you feel like you have to shut down? Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I, th- yeah. like there's got to be, I, I there has a, to be some kind of reason, financial yeah. or otherwise, why a mm. golf course looks at the end of the season as the end of the season. Yeah. Okay. So there's a couple of things that fall in there. One, traditionally, a lot of golf courses weren't, weren't doing anything in the wintertime. So they just looked at it as, as seasonal. Uh, two, um, harder to get staff because they depend a lot on students in the summertime. Um, so they haven't looked at their staffing as a year round type of thing. Um, also as well, that staff is tired. The, the, the days are really long. So mm-hmm. in some cases from an HR standpoint, either they've made their staff work too many hours or they're understaffed so that they can't distribute those hours properly so that, you know, they get to the end of the season. People are like, man, I'm exhausted. Well, a person's going to be exhausted. If they've had to work a hundred hours a week. So they get to the end of the season. They want to be done. The other side is it, it takes effort to start you know it's like a big boat if you're going to move a big boat it takes a lot to push it so the same thing it takes effort to start winter activities and to all of a sudden but now you're seeing courses do it they're they're seeing proof of success within other or like proof of the model within other courses seeing them go to you know four simulators five simulators six simulators adding other winter amenities they're starting to do cross-country skiing or whatever and then they go oh okay i guess it does work so now we'll put the effort in it if they don't know if the concept's going to work it's really hard to make that risk and i totally understand that uh so that's part of the reason is that there's a trepidation there because they don't want to take the risk or sometimes don't want to put the effort into starting something new whereas you know if your golf course has already been there for 50 years it's already that that boat's already moving right yeah, and I think that when we so when we're talking about reimagining the golf club, we're talking about this as if we are starting from scratch tomorrow. Yes, hundred percent. So yeah. a lot easier when you're yes. building that business then model to, to say yeah. this is part of our business model. Yeah. When when October comes around or November comes around, we put the golf course to bed. You know, we now take that component of the clubhouse and we put we have two mm-hmm. simulators that go up in there. Right. This right. is the staffing we need to have in there. When the snow flies, we're going to groom the we're going to groom the cross country trails uh, along the cart paths or along mm-hmm. the, around the put golf course. Put out the fire pits and put out the chairs. And so everything's this is it's all part yeah. of the model. When right. you've been established, 
Mm-hmm. And you want to now say, oh, those sounds like some great ideas. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. Well, now, now you've got to figure out, okay, where's the $40,000 coming for each mm-hmm. simulator? Yeah, for sure. Where's the staffing come yep. from? How are we going to model this? What about, yep. how do we groom cross-country ski trails? Where do we mm-hmm. put the fire pit? Yep. How do we staff that? How do we, what's the revenue model? Yep. Is this a, is this a, a year round membership now that right. we can sell where people have access to the simulators as if they, as if they were a member where mm-hmm. they pay the winter fee added on to their to regular fee to have access. How so do this, we? So this you know. goes back to your staff yeah. and their ability to do long-term planning mm-hmm. so that you have a strategic plan as opposed to what's happening next week, what's happening tomorrow. Strategic plans are long-term plans. These are five to 10 years out. Uh, you know, not a lot of golf courses have those, you know, and, no. and from a business standpoint, they're essential to know where you're going and realizing that, yes, you know what, you might have some costs. And again, that that lends into itself why, why some of those things fail is because they all of a sudden try to turn it and do it instantly. Well, it doesn't always work that way. So when they don't have the success, they go, oh, that didn't work and they they bail. But if they stuck with that long term Mm -hmm. and had that as part of their strategic plan where they're planning properly for that from a finance standpoint, a budgeting standpoint, priority standpoint, then that becomes easier. But again, that comes back to, you know, staffing, it comes down to committees. You know, when you're dealing with private golf courses, you know, you get board turnover in a short period of time. All of a sudden a board tries to put their stamp on something rather than sticking to a strategic plan Mm -hmm. that becomes an issue, you know, and they, they start looking what's happening tomorrow. Well, you shouldn't have to worry about what's happening tomorrow. You know, everything else should be, should be taking care of that. So yeah, there's a lot of elements that are there. So, you know, within all that, I mean, uh, my last point that I'll, I'll give to you and you can comment on that is is programming. Um, this is a really neglected thing. And my background, you know, when I went to school, my first education was in health and recreation and looking at recreation and planning, mm-hmm. uh, you know, p- programming, that was the big thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you could sit there and have the, the greatest recreation facility in the world, but if you didn't have quality programming, you didn't really have anything to offer your clientele. So again, that's a staffing standpoint. That's a, you know, imagining what your club is about. What's your programming look like? You know, how are you attracting people? Again, your goal is really to be aspirational so that people want to go to the place and not think so much about the price. It has Mm -hmm. to be priced fairly to fit the market, but you want people to go, oh man, that club offers that. I'm going to, I want to go do that without their first thought being, oh, I wonder how much that costs. You know, so if your programming means your instruction programs, it means your social events, it means everything else. Yeah, you've got to be active on that if you're going to fill the hours that you have to maximize your revenue. So programming is is huge. I I would agree with that 100 percent. You know, those are it's all part and parcel of the whole club experience. Yeah. Uh, And and that's ultimately what it is, is it's, you know you know, maybe the green fear is not looking for the same experience that the member is. And in fact, right. I know the green fear is not sure. looking for yeah. the same experience. They're, the a green short, fear, they're a short time for the most yep. part is a short, a short-term yep. customer that you want to come back. Right. So you want to make sure that, that, uh, you know, as a green fear, when I go there, I want to be greeted. Mm-hmm. You no, know, I want to be greeted, which means staffing is super important. Mm-hmm. And the staffing experience that you create for your staff to deliver is important. Um, I want to have a quality product that fits the green fee that I'm paying, um, which means if I'm paying $5 for a round of golf, well, I don't expect to have perfect greens and perfect tees. 
and and grass and, and bunkers and and you know I, I don't expect that but if i'm paying these days we're we're getting we're getting close to what we should be paying maybe we're still a little cheaper in this region of eastern ontario but as a whole i think the co- the cost of golf is starting to line up a little bit better so i expect the greens to be in good shape if it's if it's physically at all possible sure. unless there's yeah. a reason why you can't have them in good shape weather conditions poor yeah. winter whatever the case may be I expect the tees to be in good shape. I expect there not to be weeds growing in the fairways. I expect the bunkers to be clear of sand or to clear of sand. <laughs> yeah, I expect the bunker to be clear of sand. I expect the bunker to be clear of grass, yeah, grass. And, and weeds growing. I expect the edges of the bunkers to be clean. I expect the course to be in good shape. I expect the the, the food and beverage cart to be out there uh, when it should be out there and not, not just, you know, I mean, I've experienced a lot of times where, two o'clock in the afternoon on a hot day and I don't see a cart, uh, a beverage cart for four or five mm-hmm. holes. It's not acceptable in my opinion, not for someone who's trying to get the best experience possible. So that's what I expect, you know, and yeah. I expect to be treated with respect. When it's really about the experience uh, mm-hmm. as a member. There's certain things I expect. There's certain things that members demand or certain things that members expect that they should give their head a shake. Mm-hmm. Um, the members of a golf course, have certain rights as a member but essentially what you're paying for as a member is is you're paying for your golf you're paying right. for your yeah. lock club your locker yeah. storage if that's the case you're paying yeah. like you're paying to be some uh, be at the golf course to be able to play it mm-hmm. um you're paying to have uh, a men's night maybe you're paying to have a club championship to be on an intersectional sure. team whatever yeah. the case you're paying to have the right to all those things you're not paying to decide how short no. the greens are cut. You're not paying to no. decide whether. And course... even at a, and even if that's the case, if you're at a private club where you're a shareholder, you're you're a shareholder. You don't yeah. get to decide yeah. all those things. You, you can have you you get to have contributions through the board, right? But again, you have to get yeah. It's about the greater majority and not just what exactly. your personal so preference. As a member, certain amount of demand on the golf course uh, quality consistency. Conditioning, staffing is is something that I expect to be really solid. Food and beverage, the food especially, yeah. uh, the service that I get, um, the pro and the, shop. Food do- and the food doesn't have to be, you know, super high end. No, we're not talking it about cake here. Like it has to be good quality with variety that meets the needs of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Simple, simple menus that are probably better to, from a service standpoint, as far as, you know, uh, economical, because again, it still has to fit within a business model, but that doesn't mean there has to be a lot of compromises for certain things. But again, all these things just take a little bit of extra effort Mm -hmm. and again, reimagining and, and, you know, and there are a lot of, and I go back to using that term rockstar. There are a lot of rockstar facilities that are around the world that are, and, but people have to look at those and why they're successful and what they've done to be successful and why people put them up there on a pedestal from an aspirational standpoint and they don't consider price as the, as the first factor. That's yeah. There. Yeah. No, a hundred percent, you know, so, you know, as a member programs that are offered, whether they're you know, instructional programs, mm-hmm. whatever, they don't have to be golf instruction programs. No, they, they can, can be, be other, programs. other things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, certain events, member events, things, things like just, you know, I want, and it comes back, it comes back to this for me. It comes back to the experience. Yeah. What I want, what I'm paying for is what yeah. I want. I want yeah. to get the experience that I'm paying for. That, if I'm paying, not- if I'm paying a decent amount of money, 
and I have an expectation to receive a decent experience for my money. And as a golf course operator, you want that customer, whether they're a member that comes back day after day after day after day. Look at there's hundreds of golf courses out there. If you think for a minute that you can treat somebody like crap Mm -hmm. and keep taking their money year after year just because they live 15 minutes closer to you than they do to somebody else, you're dead wrong. They're going to go somewhere else. And the same thing with the green fear. The green fear, there's lots of options out there for reasonable amounts of money. If you treat people with disrespect and you don't give them the... Now, it goes both ways. If you do treat them with with, uh, respect and you give them the experience that they deserve and they are disrespectful back, well, you don't really want them there anyway. But that's not really the point of... of, We're we're talking about setting up the perfect club. So I I don't know if we've... I don't know if we've kind of conveyed in our mind... Well, there's a, so we, many elements you know, to it, right? I mean, that's the thing. When we look at social stuff, I heard people talking about, you know, some of the social sp- aspect of us, uh, you know, lounges as far as, you know, pool tables, sports ball, f- uh, bar field, outdoor lounges overlooking the course. Um, again, it's about being immersive and being a place that people want to go to. And as you said, from a value standpoint, that you don't question what you're paying. If all of a sudden somebody is going and they pay X to go to a golf course, whether that's a green fee or as a member, if you all of a sudden start to question the value of that, that's, you know, kind of a red flag more Mm -hmm. than anything. But if you go and you pay and you're like, man, that's, that's the experience that I want. And everybody's going to be different of what their experiences are going to be. And I understand you're not going to make every single person happy, but overall, if you're going to be successful, you want that attractor so that people don't walk out there and go, Ooh, you know, when I count out what my green, my, what I paid this year and yeah, I'm not sure if that's worth it or not or whatever, that's an individual's, you know, decision of what they're, they're willing to pay, but you know, do as, do as much as you can uh to to make them happy okay uh we got about five five or six minutes left here before we have to shut down but there was one thing the in 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 sort of our list of comments and stuff and i don't know if you put that in there or if it was somebody specific it's uh, those were all those ones were all people and i have a lot more so the second last point that and i'm going to read this one because this one i think i actually agree with every single point okay um so i want to read this one the person says User-friendly design, uh, yeah. few bunkers, yeah. multiple tees, best best conditioning possible given the budget, great, reasonable great pricing, yeah. multiple membership options, beginner welcome programs. This one I really like. Mm. Nominal fee for junior access at specific times. Yeah. Modest clubhouse, best hamburger around, cheap beer kind of thing. Okay, <laughs> so now I want to... That's I, from John Gordon, actually. Okay, well then it then it totally makes complete somebody, sense. Somebody who's right? been to hundreds and hundreds yeah. of golf so he knows, in his life. And this right. is and I guess that's why it because this is exactly what I would say. And I would yeah. say this, and this is my last point on this. All right. The point he makes about nominal fee for junior access at specific times. The, what I want to clear is this nominal access for junior golfers at specific times for junior golfers. Right. Not pay with a paying full paying adult okay (laughs) or junior golfers four (laughs) junior golfers on the golf course at one time multiple groups of them paying minimal amounts at specific times to play the golf course Mm -hmm. without Mm -hmm. having to have an adult paying a full green Mm -hmm. fee with them okay yeah and if you have junior members not 
allowing the junior members to play whenever they want. Mm -hmm. If you're a private golf club, then that's okay. I will give you, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. I don't like you minute. You, you, I don't like that. But I also know that some private golf courses, it's some impossible almost to get a tee time as a, as a full paying adult member. You're paying way more money than the juniors to play there. So I get that. But as a whole, Mm-hmm. telling juniors oh you can only play after three o'clock on saturday after come on mm-hmm. do you want them to be adult members at some point or another or would you just mm-hmm. rather go them go play someplace else or would you rather they only be junior members if their mommy and daddy and, are paying and a, a, and you know I, I thousands you, of dollars to be there and i would tell you as somebody who coaches a lot of juniors i've seen a lot of juniors leave clubs and their family ends up going with them because of the treatment to those juniors to the fact that yep. they were so restricted or they were treated like third class citizens mm-hmm. that it had an impact on their family you know i'm telling as... you right now i yeah. do not and i do not care <laughs> if i'm making any friends in the golf industry by the kind of statements i'm saying about junior golfers i realize they don't pay the bills necessarily yeah. they pay some of them but they will down the road so yeah. if you're well, going to have yeah. them then yeah. let them play the damn golf course. Yeah. yeah, and we're not saying you have to have 300 juniors with no. your membership. No, you know, and we're not saying that you team. have to charge $100 for them yeah. either. Yeah. But but if you're going to let them play, if you're going to have them as members of your golf course, junior yeah. members, yeah. then they're junior members. They get right. to play the golf course. Yeah. Don't but restrict also- them so much and treat them like crap, like they don't belong. It's like I've heard so many times, uh, there's so many juniors on the golf course, you get stuck behind juniors and they're so, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> educate them. That's yeah, what you're exactly. the adult for. Educate them. Yeah. Have an yeah. educational process before they get their members. This is what you have. This is what we expect. Is right. You play, be respectful, yeah. blah, blah, but that's- blah. But that's where having a short game facility or a nine hole golf yes. course has a lot of benefits. If I in the perfect like, world that we talk that we're right, trying to it, talk about, yeah, it's yes. exactly. It. Yeah, you look 100%. at the places, and and I mean, I'm not saying you know you have to be Germany where you have to get licensed to be able to play no. the golf course, right? But what I'm saying is that you know if you teach them properly, and it's all levels of golfers, yeah. And, and I hate the fact that people label it on juniors when sometimes the juniors are out there more than just the average golfer, yep. um, and the average golfer will. End- the one that's slow. Um, but again, we can't, and we've talked about it before, you can't sit there and blame the golfer if they've not been educated. So if I get behind a golfer and they're playing super slowly because you know they're in a cart and they they wait till their buddy goes and they drive across the fairway or yeah. whatever, they're not doing it because they want to do that. They're trying to do it specifically. It's no different than somebody coaching golf and they're not coaching to make someone you know, play poorly, um, whether they give them good information or not. In this case, exactly. they're probably not educated for the fact that, okay, you know, drop them off, go get your ball. You can both hit at the same time. You know, it doesn't really, you know what I mean? It, yeah. You need that education process in there, whether they're 12 years old or, you know, 70 years old. Exactly. They, it's all golfers. They all need that education. So, you know what, that's a deep <laughs> subject. There's a Very. lot more to it. I certainly think we can, you know, look towards some guests and things and talking about some of the different aspects of this uh, as we go throughout, you know, seasons. Um, But yeah, interesting topic. And uh, certainly I think if more people sort of put this thought into it and and discuss it more, it'll also have an influence at golf courses where they're at. The more that the golf courses that you work at and don't do it in a negative standpoint, right? do it in a positive standpoint and go and Hey, you know what? I'd love to be at your golf course, but I, I, if I had this and this, I'd be there more and I'd spend more money. There you go. Yes, indeed. There you go. Uh, Great topic. 
Big topic. Fun uh, topic. Yeah, bigger. I'd say bigger than expected, but it really wasn't bigger than expected. It's just uh, we could probably keep going. I mean, it's, you know, there was a lot of really, I mean, I brought up that one point that you mentioned was John Gordon. And again, mm-hmm. fitting that it was John Gordon and the great sure. minds do think alike, John. Um, <laughs> you know, there were, a, there was a lot of, of cool little things that were brought up. Things like, you know, you know, social lounge, like dartboards mm-hmm. and pool tables and, and uh, locker rooms for the for the members and locker rooms for the date daytime members. I know the marshes used to have a thing where you got a locker for a day. When right. you paid your yep. green fee, you got a locker mm-hmm. for the day. A cool little feature, cool little add-on where someone can come in and, and drop their stuff off in the locker. Um, uh, you know, what else? Uh, night patio, like the patio yeah. facility. Very yeah, people were to people. talking about dog friendly. They were talking, there were yeah. so many different elements that were in there and, like I said, there, there are threads that we can pull from there. Yeah, and it'd be interesting sure. to talk to golf courses. I mean, I know one golf course, for an example, uh, in the Kawartha region that, you know, started a couple of years ago doing some more social events, skins game, fire pit, all the sort of different, you know, they have cornhole available. They're doing different things. Um, it'd be interesting to talk to some of those facilities and what they're doing. Um, other facilities that, you know, like a Black Bear Ridge that is expanding out accommodations and within those accommodations, there's lots of different things that are there. So uh, it'd be interesting to talk to some of these different operators and maybe see some of the things that they're doing differently. Um, locally, you know, if we look at Highlands, uh, you know, uh, Rockville Country Club, there's all sorts of different ones that are doing winter type things now. They have winter passes. Um, we've talked a lot on here about, you know, Hammond Golf Club and a brewery and all sorts of different things that are there. So it'd be interesting to talk to some of those places and, and, and get their perspective on how some of the things have worked, how they planned about going, doing that, what it has done to change their business. And I think, as I said, when the proof of concept is out there, people are more willing to take that risk because they'll see that others have done it and had success and they're willing to jump in that. And you know what, realistically, you know, the golf courses have changed in the last hundred years and we have to keep reimagining them because the audience changes. And the more that we respond to the audience and change, then the more that will golf will be relevant to everyone. Yeah. And you know what, there's one thing that I wanted to add in here. We talked about staffing um, mm-hmm. in particular, and I was just reading through the list here and it talked about, you know, someone had here having a starter on du- on duty, preferably friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I get that, but th- this is a this is a position at golf courses, and I know that's not a, um, a a lot of golf courses have starters. Um, yeah. A lot of golf courses don't have starters, mm-hmm. and they just rely on you going to the clubhouse, you pay your green fee. Uh, here, you know, go you're you're up after you know the, yeah. the group whatever, and you go and you sure. hit the putting green, you wait for your turn, you go to the first tee. The starter is like the director of operations player and, and, ambassador. and they, that starter i'm telling director you right now fun. no matter how no matter what your experience pulling in the parking lot is no matter what your experience in the pro shop paying your green fee and dealing with the pro shop staff is yeah uh, no matter what your experience is what was going into the uh and getting a, a couple bottles of water and a bag of chips before you head to the tee yeah that starter mm-hmm. can make or break you're you're that golfer's day and that golfer's experience yeah and that's the last line of defense it's like the goalie in hockey last line of defense after everybody else falls down and and doesn't do their job yeah the goalie's the only one you got left to stop the puck and that starter's like your goalie 
Mm-hmm. If everybody else drops the ball, yeah, that starter is the one that that saves the day. That picks and, up. Yep. and vice versa, if everybody else does a great job, that starter could be the one that destroys everything that those people did Agreed. and makes that golfer's experience. So yep. the starter to me, crazy important person yeah. to have at a golf course. And yeah. you need to put the time, the energy, and the effort into finding yeah. exactly the right person to do that job or multiple people to do that job yeah. because – Man, oh man! If you and if that you can be part wrong. of yeah, and that can be part of your facility design too when you're creating. I, I know of a golf course, and I won't name them specifically, but I know of a golf course that has a lot of success from a you know a tourism standpoint, and they are make sure that they have staff that you know they don't prey on the on the people when they get in the parking lot, but they're there to greet them and to make sure that yeah. you know what they need right away as they go to the clubhouse you know, the person in the parking lot normally comes down and offers them a cart ride or whatever. They also help direct them. So they feel more comfortable right yeah. away. So they don't feel lost. Same thing happens as you take the short walk. If you take the walk up to their clubhouse, they usually have a person standing outside the door at the clubhouse, mm-hmm. which shows them and tells them, Oh, what can I help you with? Is this something you're looking for? And they're like, yeah, where's the pro shop? Where's this? You know, they have appropriate signage, which again, that was someone that, you know, commented, you know, got to have good signage that's out there, mm-hmm. but having a friendly face, greet you and, and show you where to go. Oh, if you need to go to the restaurant, it's here, where and the tea's over here. And, you know, do you have any questions? Where, where are you staying? Where, you know, what I'm, whatever the case may be. And the golf pro, the one that used to work there, he said, I remember talking to him one point, he's like, I'm not a traditional golf pro. I'm an ambassador for the golf course. Yeah. He's, he, he spends, he, or he would, he's retired now. He would spend as much time being around the first tee, making people feel comfortable, giving them directions, giving them tips about the golf course, taking pictures of groups. And I tell you what, it lent to the experience. And even if people didn't have the greatest game that day, it all blended in and made them feel like they had more value. So you're right. The, the starter, the people of how they're greeting the service. I mean, you know, you don't want somebody wandering in the wilderness. You, you want to really guide them along and make them feel comfortable and make them feel welcome right away. And I would love to do like, honestly, I'll tell you right now, honestly, in my retirement, yeah. When I'm not doing this anymore, or when I no longer want to do this anymore. You're going to be a starter? <laughs> I would love to. You know, golf course operators, managers yeah. throughout the region. Yeah. I don't want to leave the Ottawa Valley or the, the, the National Capital Region. But if you're if you're looking down the road, of, <laughs> I'm putting myself out there. I would, be an, I would be the best thing that happened to your golf course. I would be your, uh, your director of player experience. Yeah. including greeting and starting and like yeah. like my i guarantee you my you heard personality just look at this personality come on <laughs> you heard it you heard it golf course i would love I, to do it you're yeah. gonna have to pay i'm not gonna yeah, do yeah. it for a dollar and i'm not yeah, gonna yeah. do it for free green fees or uh, the ability to go hot lock, balls lock, in the woods, lock but, them in now people lock them in now yeah get the contract <laughs> out because i get the, the the suitors will come calling once they know i'm going to be available <laughs> i don't know when that's going to be it could be five uh, 10 15 years from now but i guarantee you, i would be the most awesome thing to have happen to your golf course oh, i guarantee God. it all right, so, all right. well okay. why do we leave it at that <laughs> yeah, let's leave it at that okay um scott yes. awesome show great fun topics stuff. as always uh this has been uh, this one's been a lot of fun as was the last one and the one before that um but uh um yeah if, if you've got topics you know anybody listening has topics that they they want us to dive into you know mm-hmm. we're not 
we're not arrogant here. We're open to suggestions. Oh, yeah. And that's you know? part of the and reason we'll, why we've, I put we've that been in. around the block. We'll dig yeah. in. We'll dig yeah. into just about any topic you want. So shoot yeah. us a message, uh, either yeah. through flagstick.com or uh, DM Scott or DM me or whatever you like. Yep. Um, you find our email addresses on the website. Yeah. Start a conversation. Throw something up on Twitter or or yeah. uh, on Facebook as a as a topic starter. If we like it, we'll we'll kind of push the thread through and maybe make it a topic on the show. Yeah. Um, that's what we Love want it. to do. We want to create conversations and have discussions. Yeah. We'll make make golf uh, better for everybody. Um, thanks to all our sponsors: Metcalf Golf Club, Golf Sim Gurus, and of course our presenting sponsor this week again. Uh, golf PEI, Golf Prince Edward Island, premier Canadian golf destination boasting the most number of golf courses per capita in the country, over 400 fairways, closer than you can possibly imagine, top tiered accommodations, exquisite culinary experiences as we can speak from experience on. Um, mm-hmm. It is the easiest golf vacation you will ever book. Book golf vacations and tee times at golfpei.ca. Great. Hopefully you're enjoying everything, uh, as I'm sure that you are, because I know we are. Uh, Be sure to follow us across social media networks, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Subscribe on Spotify, Audible, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Do not forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. More ramping up on the YouTube channel every week. Mm -hmm. Um, Like us, click the notification bell. Make sure you never miss a single episode. And please get over to flagstick.com. Subscribe to the newsletter and check out amazing golf tent content that we deliver there every single day. So as always, we appreciate you uh, tuning in. Until next week, I am Jeff Potter. I'm Scott McLeod. Always remember, go for the stick.